The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. I'm Tom. He's Travis. It's Tuesday night. Trav, how are you, buddy? Doing well, sir. How are you? I cannot complain. Uh, just trying to decompress a little bit here after an entirely too stressful Cavs game, but uh, the right team came out on the winning side, so we'll, we'll live with it and move on to Thursday, I suppose. Yeah, it, 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 it looked for a little bit like there, like it could have been disaster, because any day where the Nets pick wins and the Cavs lose is not good for anyone so uh chalk one up for the good guys I guess every loss counts on that Brooklyn Nets pick from here on out absolutely <laughs> our favorite two absolutely. teams are the Cavs and whoever plays whoever the Brooklyn plays Nets <laughs> well I don't know that I ever saw that coming but we'll take it for now <laughs> yeah well hey I'll tell you what what do you say we talk a little college basketball tonight can't wait all right well it is still February but uh, the Big Ten men's basketball tournament gets started on Wednesday, and for the first time in a few years, the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to be very prominently involved. Uh, I'm going to make a confession. Uh, the next Ohio State game that I see this season is going to be the first, I believe. Um, so I'm going to need a crash course here. I know you've been watching a lot, uh, but to help kind of uh, move the conversation along, we've got uh, our old pal from Waiting for Next Year, Josh Paloha, joining us as well. Josh, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you guys? I'm actually really surprised that you have yet to watch a Buckeyes game this year. That's surprising. I, you, you know what? Out on some very entertaining basketball. And regular season college basketball is typically not that great. Yeah, here's the thing for me. Um, I, I, when it comes to college, I'm an OU guy first and foremost. So what college hoop I have seen this year has been firing up the iPad or the Roku and watching the Bobcats on ESPN3. And uh, by the way, had a, a, a nice win tonight on senior night against Bowling Green. So uh, trying to find any momentum we possibly can. Heading no into one the, cares. The, the, hey now, hey now, hey now. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I, I am upset. But uh, we're, we're going to scrap together any momentum we can. It's been a very rough season for my Bobcats. But uh, let's talk Big Ten. Um, Josh, I'm going to start with you. They, this Ohio State team kind of coming out of nowhere this year, right? Nobody was really yeah, expecting they, this coming into the season. No one thought they would be. I mean, the Big Ten media, they had them predicted 11th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, no one even thought that they would even make it NIT let alone be a lock for the NCAA tournament before the Big Ten tournament even starts. All right, so we're starting the Big Ten tournament tomorrow night. I believe it's those bottom four teams kind of basically playing what amounts to play in games. Uh, Buckeyes don't play until Friday. I think they get the double bye I saw. But can we yes. just talk for a minute about how stupid it is that they're playing the Big Ten tournament this week and not next week? I know they wanted to go play it at Madison Square Garden. It's the world's most famous arena, and this, that, and the other. But that's a Big East building when it comes to college basketball. And the Big East was not moving next weekend. So coming up with this is the compromise is awful, right? Yeah, I have no idea why. Like, whoever thought of the idea, um, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, 
no Ohio State. I mean, when I went to Ohio State, a bunch of fans from Columbus always drove to, to Indianapolis or Chicago and went to the Big Ten tournament. But no one's going to drive to New York City. Like no student is, especially on spring break too. Um, so the attendance is going to be very low. I know the Big Ten already said that they regret it, um, but I think that they're really going to regret it when they barely make any money from it. Yeah, it's it's like we saw when they added Rutgers that they have this obsession with New York City, and I get it. It's a huge market. But I don't know that this really – there's any benefit to this. You kind of look like – I don't know. You kind of look like that desperate conference that just wants a little bit of attention, so you're willing to settle for the weekend no one else is playing. Like it, it's, it's almost like – no offense, Tino, but it's almost like Maction on a Wednesday. Like we'll throw it on a Wednesday because people will watch and we can get on TV then, but – you're kind of looking like a second tier conference on that front. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's good. I don't expect we'll see this again after this year either, but it's, it's a move that, yeah, I think they regretted probably almost immediately. Has a power five conference ever. I don't think a power five conference has ever played like this weekend, their conference tournament this weekend. Like whoever makes, whoever wins the championship is going to have like 11 days off until their first NCAA tournament game. And that's even if you play on Sunday. Yeah, that's so that, like it. You gotta wonder no if sense. somebody's gonna have rust going into the first round of the NCAA's. And um, I, I guess that the thinking, if you're the the conference on playing a tournament in New York, is that for a lot of the same reasons that the MAC plays in Cleveland, they've got a huge concentration of MAC school alums in this area. I think there's a large contingent of Big Ten school alums that now work in New York City. And you're counting on all of them to turn out this weekend, I guess, for the tournament there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's strange. But um, back to the Buckeyes, um, Trev. You know, you you before we started recording, you were telling me you've been watching quite a bit. What has been the biggest thing that uh, has kind of jumped off the page in terms of the identity of this team and and what they've become this year? Well. I don't know that anybody expected Kata Bates Diop to turn into. Um, he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. He Big Ten Player of the Year, turned into just this absolute force this year. And he, I mean, he's shown flashes of being a talented player in the past, but he never really looked like a guy that could just take over games. Um, Jay Sean Tate is one of those guys who's he's been around for four years. He's he's always been that sort of hustle guy. He makes a lot of plays, and you love the way that he plays, but He's even ramped that up a little bit this year. Outside of that, it's it's honestly a whole bunch of role players. There's nobody that really knocks your socks off. Um, at times, you know, you'll see flashes from guys here and there. Um, but it's really just a lot of guys that seem to play their roles really well. Um, so there's K-Debate's the up is obviously the guy to watch. Jay Sean Tate's a guy you'll love to watch play. But everybody else really just fits their roles really well. Um, they're incredibly well coached um, in less than a year on the job. Chris Holtman now has more Big Ten Coach of the Year um, awards than Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle combined. So Wait, really? Yes. Yes. Urban's correct. never won it. That's Jim Trestle never won it. Kirk Ferentz won it in 2002 somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kirk Ferentz's so, contract won a Big Ten Coach of the Year award. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um yeah, they've. I mean, they've always just kind of been victims of the fact that, oh, you're at Ohio State, you're supposed to do that every year, and whatever. 
I'm not bitter at all about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think there was a lot of question marks around Chris Holtman. Um, I'm not sure anybody was was super confident that he was the guy for the job. Maybe cautiously optimistic, um, and those those concerns have been answered. I think resoundingly, he's done an incredible job getting those guys to buy in. And what's been the most impressive to me, honestly, is how they've grown throughout the season. Someone said this the other day on the radio, and that it really kind of resonated with me. If you played November Ohio State against right now Ohio State, right now Ohio State would probably win by 30 points. They're that much better than they were to start the season, and they've grown so much over the course of the year that I don't know. How, I don't know that they're a huge threat in the tournament. They'll probably be. I don't know, probably a three seed. Maybe if they win the Big Ten tournament, they could jump up to a two seed. But um, I don't know that they're going to do a whole bunch of damage, that they're going to, you know, run to the Final Four or anything. But um, you got to love what they've done this year, honestly. If you've been, if you've, if you're someone who's watched Ohio State the last couple of years, you should be really excited about the direction of the program. Well, Josh, you've watched Ohio State this year, <laughs> certainly more than I have. So, uh, from where Travis went there, what do you think? What what else have you seen? Just, I agree with everything Travis said. And just, like, every, like, beating Purdue at Purdue is such, like, even when Ohio State had Greg Oden and Mike Conley, that was tough to do. And now that you have Chris Holtman in his first year with, like, eight scholarship players and you're able to do that, it that was like a season changer even after the Michigan state upset too. And they dominated. I still don't understand how they dominated Michigan state. Like they did. I think they won by like 18. Yeah, um, they were up, they were up 20 for a majority of the game. Yeah. Like they got just, up big in the first half and just walked through the second half. It was insane. Yeah. It seems like just Holtman or the, see, Oh, Ohio state's maybe out talented in a lot of games just because they don't have a lot of depth, but Holtman just knows how to push all the right buttons and use all the right lineups to win the game. Basically. I mean, Andrew Dackett just playing like 20 minutes a game. He was a walk on at Michigan for three years. He never, he rarely ever saw the floor and now he's counted on to play 20 minutes a game as the team's point guard. Like that's unreal. I'm not hating on Andrew Dakich, but I mean, yeah. If you, you told me a year ago Ohio State's going to be playing really well, and Andrew Dakich is going to be a huge part of that, <laughs> say get the fuck out of here! Like, there's no way. Is, yeah, is, even he's. Is no, this no, roster a lot different from last year? No, not really. Um, Wesson, Caleb Wesson, his is he's been a huge part, and he's a guy who I think he's he's really raw, but he's going to be a good player in the very near future. Um, but not really. It doesn't look that different than what you're used to, honestly. Um, Kyle Young's another freshman who has played a little bit, a little bit more lately. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not totally sure why, but um, no, it's, it's a lot of names. You, if you watched Ohio state over the last few years, you'll recognize the vast majority of the names. It's just, the, I, I don't know what it is. And I'm a sad amount of guy through and through. I, I don't know what Holtman's doing that Thad was just not able to do. Um, but whatever it is, it's working. Yeah, talking about last year, too, KDWH-Diep only played, I think, 11 games because he was dealing with multiple injuries. Um, yeah, I'm a Thad Mata. I love Thad Mata. I'll always love Mata. Um, but it's crazy to think that if Kada didn't get hurt, if one, Mata would still be here, 
or if two, if he if Cato was really that good, would he have gone to the NBA after last year, which would have completely changed the outlook of this season as well. So it's just crazy to think that that injury actually helped Ohio State big time this year. Funny thing is, like I I, um, I heard an interview the other day with Dan Dockich, and they were talking to him about Ohio State and how his son ended up there and stuff. And they said like, and he said basically like after a week at Ohio State, his son like he talked to his son and, and his son was basically like, yeah, like Dad, I can I can absolutely see how these guys got Thad fired. None of them want to work. None of them practice. None of them do all this. Like none of them cared at that point, and that that's sort of weird and frustrating but whatever um sort of water under the bridge but he could see you know that these guys weren't invested anymore they'd cashed out for some reason and within a matter of you know a couple months after that he said he was talking to his kid about how uh jay sean tate's an incredible leader and kata bates diab is this amazing player and all this other stuff and how like somehow Holtman just flipped the switch that got these guys to care again all of a sudden. So I, I honestly think with Mata, it was probably one of those things you see where it's just like, you know, a guy just kind of gets tuned out eventually. And you see that a lot with coaches where the message just kind of guys just stop listening. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened, which is a shame because Mata deserved better than that. But um, if it was a time for a changing of the guard, it seems like they found the right guy. You would think to yeah, some degree no. that would be mitigated by just the frequent turnover. I mean, guys aren't going to be there for more than four or five years. I mean, in five, it's only if you got a red shirt of some kind. So, I mean, you're going to constantly be getting player turnover. So, yeah, but they don't get a, they don't get a whole lot of one and dones. They don't have a whole lot of guys going early. Like uh, D'Angelo Russell's really the only guy that in the last several years that you know left early and went went to the draft. He almost killed the Cavs tonight, so that's kind of ironic, but um, I think... Oh, go on. No, that's it. I mean, it's just, they haven't, I, they don't have a whole lot of those guys that um, you know, just show up and kind of cycle in and out of the program. I think the biggest issue with Mata was that that recruiting class, I forget what year, 2014 maybe, all five players transferred out of the program before their, or before their sophomore or junior year. So I think that and it still seems like some of the players on this current team are close with some of those players. So I feel like that happening kind of like made the current players tune out Mata last year, if that makes sense. That was, yeah, that was sort of a, that was sort of a damning, you know, just in general process for him. I'm not sure. I want to say it was, was it 2014 or 2015, whichever one. It was the one with like Mickey Mitchell and yeah. Jaquan Lyle. And it was all these guys who like, it was supposed to be a fairly solid class and it was supposed to get Ohio State sort of back on, you know, back on the straight and narrow where they were supposed to be. And quite honestly, most of them just seemed like shitheads. I don't know them that well. Obviously, I don't know any of these guys, but they didn't seem like they worked hard. And at the end of the year, like, there was a report that came out after that season of Thad Mata, like getting all these guys in the locker room. It's like, some of you guys don't know it yet, but you're not going to be here next year. And he was just fed up with the work ethic. And for whatever reason, he had this class that was fairly talented, but none of those guys were really willing to put in the work is the feeling that I got from it. Yeah, And, like... and that oh, just kind of screwed him and put him behind the eight ball. And at that point, yeah, that may have been, you're right. That's actually a good call. out. That might that might have been the beginning of the end for him. Yeah, that coupled on top with like Ohio, Ohio's 
most talented players leaving the state and not committing committing to Ohio State. I think like all that added up just made the players tune out. I mean, like I said, I'll always love Thad Mata, but I think he just those transfers plus his inability to recruit the top talent even in Ohio, I think is one of the main reasons why he is no longer the coach at Ohio State. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the coaching change was very late in the offseason last spring, wasn't it? Yeah. No, was, not very, but most of the most of the guys were already most of the candidates that you would have looked to to fill in. I mean, there's normally that that mad rush like right around the final four and I it wasn't didn't Thad get replaced with with Holtman like around mid-May or late May? It, it was June. June. It was June. Woo. Yeah, it was early June. It was super, I mean it wasn't that it was late partially because Ohio State fans saw it coming that if Mata was to go, they wanted Archie Miller out of Dayton. So when Archie took the Indiana job, then everyone was like, well, you better not fire with Thad Mata now because you lost your guy and it's late in the recruiting process. And then they get Chris Holtman and he somehow gets the top class, the top recruiting class in the Big Ten in a matter of a month, which I still don't understand how he did that. But <laughs> I guess that was the beginning of seeing this great season. I mean, even I know talking about the season now, but even if Ohio State doesn't do much in the March um, in the NCAA tournament, I still feel like this is one of the best seasons in recent memory, just because of the lack of depth and how much they've accomplished this season. Yeah, and it was incredibly unexpected. I don't think anybody saw this coming. You, you, even if even the most optimistic Ohio State fan would have looked at the season and been like, okay, you know, if they can make the NCAA's and they can finish, you know fourth or fifth in the conference, that'll be fine. That'll be great. That'll be a great season, step in the right direction, so on and so forth. And they were, you know, they were, if not for that loss to Michigan or the loss, one of the two losses to Penn State, they won the conference um, during the regular season, and they would have been the first seed, and they probably would have been a high seed in the tournament. They're still going to be a high seed in the tournament, but for what everybody expected of them, it's it's – above and beyond, you know, reasonable expectations for this season. So it's it's one of those things where you kind of hope and the lifeblood, even more than college football, the lifeblood of college basketball is recruiting. So you have to hope that uh, Holtman is able to sort of build on it and turn this into maybe a really solid recruiting class, bring in a couple guys that, you know, over the last couple of years we were missing on, quite frankly. And hopefully you can just sort of build on this momentum, even if, yeah, even if, you know, maybe they win one game in the tournament. That's, you know, it'd be kind of a bummer. But I think if he can build on it, you won't really care that much about how they finish in the tournament. All right. Well, before we get too far into the future here, um, just kind of getting back to the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Josh, why don't you kind of catch me up a little bit on the rest of the conference? I think Michigan State's got the one seed. Um, who, who are some of the other teams that we can look to uh, expect to see playing this weekend? The, the I guess you'd say the semifinals will be Ohio State, Purdue, the top four. No, actually Michigan. Michigan's the five seed because they lost the tiebreaker to Nebraska. But I think the semifinals will be um, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Purdue. Those are by I just think those are by far the four best teams in the conference. Um, Nebraska is a very good team at home, but they're mediocre everywhere else. So them being on a new, neutral floor will, 
obviously affect that. New York City um, is very much not Nebraska, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, Michigan, for being a, the fifth seed in the Big Ten, I guess you'd say is a very talented team, as you saw two Sundays ago against Ohio State. Okay. Give me a little bit more about uh, Michigan State um, and uh, Purdue. Michigan State, I mean, obviously they're one of the best teams, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. Um, just Miles Bridges, which I get he went through that NCAA trouble, which we'll get into later. Um, but he's best investigation and clearing in history. There's a lot of that going around this week. It's, it's taken them a month to even, you know, scratch the surface on the Izzo, uh, the sexual harassment, sexual assault, all that stuff from a month ago. They haven't come up with anything about that. Nothing. But they were able to determine that Miles Bridges is cool. He's okay. <laughs> no, didn't he pay? Four hours. He had to pay didn't... like. Back to yeah, forty bucks. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Michigan State, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. He's their big man. He averages like three or four blocks a game. He's their. Uh, those are the two best players. But obviously, Michigan State's always good. So that's always a powerhouse. Um, Purdue, they're just they don't really have like that go-to guy that like everyone in the country would know. But just defensive, like they have two I, I seven think footers. Knows Isaac Haas at this point. Yeah, I just he for being a seven foot like he's good, but he only averages like four or five rebounds a game. I still will never understand that. I think it's four or five rebounds a game. I don't know. You'd have to stat check me. Yeah, he plays a little. He plays away from the basket. But if you watch college basketball this season, you know who he is. Yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, Isaac Haas is one of the main reasons reasons why Purdue's so good. And like I said, I still don't understand how Ohio State pulled out a win at Purdue. Um, but yeah, Purdue's very. They're very solid all around, and then they have two seven-footers, which helps as well. Any teams in the bottom half of the conference standings who you think could be a sleeper that we need to be uh, on alert for? I, I guess you could say I Penn, Penn State. I don't know. If, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Penn uh, State beat uh, Ohio State twice. Um, Ohio State just had trouble with teams that have really good guards, and they have really good guard play. Um I don't know how much of a threat they'd be in in the overall tournament, but on a one-game basis, they're not a team to take lightly. Yeah, and that scares me because if Penn State beats Northwestern Thursday, Ohio State has to play Penn State for the third time. But I guess third time's the charm. So Friday night. I don't night... want to live in a fucking world where we could lose to Penn State three <laughs> times in a year. I can't no. do it. I hope it doesn't happen. Let's let's root for the Northwestern on Thursday just so. It... There's no chance. Yep. But, yeah, no, Penn State just has some – like Tony Carr, their uh, guard, he's a leading store in the Big Ten. He's really good. And they're just lengthy. And and their physicality, Ohio State has a hard time matching up with that. So Friday night could be interesting. Well, if all else I'm fails in Ohio – I was just going to say if all else fails in Ohio State, uh, it gets its hands full with Penn State again. You could always flare up the let's play football chance. and. <laughs> 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 no, I, I just I don't want to I know I don't know because we have wrestling coming up too and Penn State got the better of them last time it's I don't want to mess with Penn State anymore um but Northwest was not really a team to to take lightly either they pushed Michigan State to the limit a couple weeks ago probably should have won that game if not for a couple um dubious whistles that went Izzo's way um like usual yeah I mean that's that's sort of the way it goes um but they were a team I hadn't really watched them play at all, and I honestly don't know how I ended up watching this game to begin with. 
but I was sitting there watching it, and they're not they're not that bad. I I watched. It's the only Northwestern basketball I watched all year, and they were a team that impressed me. So maybe they have a chance. I don't know. I don't think they're going to make the tournament. I haven't paid too much attention to. Yeah, last year that that was their first time breaking through into the NCAA's. Right? I feel like half of the sports media that I follow on Twitter was losing its collective shit about that because they're all Northwestern alums and. Um, the other half was pissed off because Syracuse is no good. <laughs> That's right, but uh, <laughs> God, uh, Darren Ravel was uh, even more insufferable oh, than usual. God. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, you're, you're saying not uh, they've got their work cut off for them this weekend if they want to get back to to March Madness. For Northwestern, yeah, they. I I can't say for sure, but my hunch is that they'd have to win to get in. I don't know. I'm looking but, at the standings. Look that bad. What are they? Ninth or tenth in the in the conference? Because <laughs> I think what tenth, seventh. Yeah, they're seven. Yeah, seven versus Northwest, and I think they were ranked in the top twenty-five to begin the season. So I mean, they're not bad, but they're underachieved big time this year. I don't. I honestly, I haven't watched them. I watched a little bit of them against Michigan State, like Travis, but besides that, I haven't watched any. Um, Wildcats game this year, so I don't know like what's going on or anything, but I just know that they're struggling big time this year. All right, all right. So, anything else that uh, either of you guys want to get your two cents in on the Big Ten tournament and the Buckeyes? No, uh, I mean I, I think it's I think truthfully, if you're into Ohio State basketball, you're into Big Ten basketball, you're going to watch. And if if not, quite frankly, the Big Ten tournament probably isn't going to be all that intriguing to you you may just watch it because it's the first like postseason basketball of the year but by and large you're probably just waiting for the big tournament to start yeah i agree i mean unless you want to watch like um nba talent i guess you'd watch like michigan state but unless you're an, an ohio state fan ohio ohio state doesn't really intrigue you and then purdue's just purdue i guess yeah I, it, purdue's never intriguing Josh, I was going to say that those two guys that you had mentioned for Michigan State, I feel like I've seen them linked to the Cavs in a couple of mock drafts. Um, are those guys that you still think uh, Cavs fans ought to be keeping an eye on this weekend and yeah. into the tourney? If the Cavs keep that draft pick, it would be my dream for them to draft Jaron Jackson. He can shoot. He's the guy that averages like three or four blocks a game, and he can shoot. He's just super athletic. He's a true freshman who's just super athletic. Um, then Miles Bridges, I feel like his stock's kind of fallen this year, but he's still a first-round NBA talent on Michigan State. Those are their two best players. He'll, yeah, Bridges will still be a lottery guy, um, probably late lottery, which is where he was last year, and I think he expected to sort of build on that and maybe rise up a little bit in draft boards. Like He should, he honestly probably should have come out last year and just called it and gone to the NBA already. But um, and Then he could have had that free dinner too. Yeah, you wouldn't have to pay that forty bucks back. Forty bucks would be nothing at that point. What a crack of shit that is. Come on. <laughs> All right, let's talk about that. So we get the the, the Pete Thamel uh, bombshell last week on Yahoo Sports, and then uh, that the, the second report, I think it was ESPN that came out with um, Sean Miller apparently was on on the phone uh, arranging a hundred thousand dollar handshake for DeAndre Ayton. Um, maybe now we know why Sean Miller is always sweating through his suits on the sidelines. He's 
uh, fearing uh, prison time or something, I guess. I don't know. I'm just speculating favorite, here. This is all hypothetical. My favorite thing about that news coming out was like 20 NBA guys like in unison tweeted out, oh, only 100000 for Aiton? That's a great deal. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. Every, everybody just basically unanimous. Like, oh, that's all? That's not bad. Sure, I, I told you about this. like uh, A couple weeks ago, I was in Tempe um, for a, a work trip, and I was right down the street from Arizona State's basketball arena, and they were playing Arizona while I was out there. And I was thinking about going to the game, and it just didn't work out. So I ended up finding a bar in their, like, main uh, district that, you know, Mill Street or Mill Avenue or one of those, and uh, just uh, sitting and watching that game with Arizona State fans, I, I felt so bad for it because I, you've never seen a more defeated, frustrated, and just exasperated group of fans. Like every time in the second half of that game, Aiton got the ball, just it was like Jesus Christ, what do we do with this guy? It was nothing. He, incredible. So yeah, I, count me in among those who is going to say that if he got a hundred grand, it was a, a good investment. But um, what do you guys make of all of this? That uh, you know, you keep hearing all oh, this is going to like rock uh, college basketball and and change the sport as we know it, and all these hyperbolic statements uh, being thrown around out there. Yeah, quite frankly, none of it surprises me. Um, I think we all know what's going on. If it would have been, it would have been stunning if there had been an in-depth, comprehensive um, investigation that said, "Yeah, college basketball is clean." Everybody <laughs> would have been shocked if that came out. Um, and John Calipari is a coach. Yeah, John Calipari, <laughs> squeaky clean. Everybody <laughs> plays by the rules. Um, Duke managed to get the top three kids into Duke. The top three kids in the country all managed to qualify for Duke, but nothing's going on there. It's all legit. Um, it's, I think it's just shocking sort of the breadth of it, how much it covered. Um, when you hear that there's a head coach on the phone discussing it, like explicitly, like not even like in code words or anything like he, he did. It sounds like we obviously haven't heard the audio, but it sounds like he did very little to disguise what was going on. Um, and he didn't even bother. He was so comfortable doing it. He didn't bother like to delegate it to someone else um, to put that it on. Is a so bizarre. And well, didn't they wiretap his phone? So he technically didn't even know that the FBI was listening, which is kind of scary. Well, it wasn't but... his. It was the, it was the agent guy. That okay. he was talking to, but yeah, same. I mean, same idea, same thing. Yeah, and quite frankly, like it was. It, I think it was pretty well known, honestly, in in college basketball circles that Sean Miller does that type of stuff. Um, so I don't know that even his name being brought into it is shocking. Um, none of it really surprises me. It'll be interesting to see what actually comes from it. Um, my my favorite thing was the outrage from Kansas fans like, Oh, now we see why we lost eight. And it's like, yeah, you paid him for two years and they to, to stay with you guys. And then he jumped to the last second to someone paid him more. <laughs> like, I, I don't think it's, it's a revelation that the, at the last second he decided, Oh, I can get paid for this. Okay. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. So like, if you think your program was the clean one and he was, you know, he just got swayed at the last second. Yeah. I got some swamp land to sell you. All right. Well, 
on that thought, though, you said if you think your program's the clean one, just to confirm here, you know, there's been a lot of top 25 programs that have been lumped into all of this. Um, but as far as we know, Ohio State has not been mentioned at all, right? Either under Thad or under Holtman now, correct? Yeah, B- Butler, Butler did not get involved with Holtman, obviously, was not brought into it, and Ohio State with Thad was not into it. Um, it's People will always sort of look at the, um, the Odin, Conley, Cook class from Ohio State. It's like there's no way he didn't pay those guys. But quite honestly, in, and this is from people that I know who were, were very close to the program, Mike Conley Sr., um, Mike Conley's dad, would never have lo- uh, let them like get dragged into that shit. He was too like he was too on top of it, and he wasn't. He was sort of the opposite of what you think of like the normal helicopter parent, you know, that we see these days. So from everyone that I've heard, they said that class specifically, probably like in all likelihood, was not on the take. Now there's been guys since then who may have been, and I. It wouldn't surprise me if some of them have gotten stuff here and there, but no, they haven't been brought into it at all. Yeah, and before Thad Mata supposedly was clean, I think he was for the most part. I mean, I'm sure everyone cheats a little bit, but it's not on the John Calipari or uh, Coach Cal level of cheating ever. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. Yeah, here um, we're trying to. We're trying to. Keep all of this is allegedly. I don't need. Yes. Uh, to, do, do we have? Uh, I know Craig's an insurance guy, but do we have uh, any lawyers on staff at WFNY? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that, but it's 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 honestly long. The rumor has been for the last several years that the reason. Mata hasn't been able to recruit is because he's not able to throw money at guys or he's not willing to able. He, he obviously would have been able to, if he wanted to, but he, and, and maybe, you know, I'm a homer. I love Mata. It could just be that I'm, you know, I got Scarlet and gray glasses on and I don't want to believe that he did this stuff. But if he was do, if he was willing to do it, he would have been better at it than he was. <laughs> Is what I was going to say. If he was willing to pay guys, he would have had better classes than he had. Well, I think it makes his struggles the last few years a lot more palatable if you mm-hmm. look at it through the prism of, hey, this he's competing in a sport where everybody's cheating their asses yeah. off and he's doing he's things by the book. Up. Yeah. So Mata lost a few guys to Louisville and Michigan State, so put that in the consideration when you say um, this. I mean, Louisville was obviously doing their stuff. Michigan State was paying players, supposedly. Um, there's also there's also a very, um, very. I'm not going to say that it's been corroborated or anything, but Anthony Davis was essentially a lock to Ohio State until he went to Kentucky one weekend. The following Monday. There was a story in the newspaper, like not just some guy that tweeted it on Twitter. Some guy printed it in the newspaper that Kentucky paid Anthony Davis 180 grand. Calipari doesn't cheat. Come no, on. never, never. And so, like, I don't know if Ohio State was throwing a little bit and other teams were throwing more or if Mata just didn't want to get involved in that at all. I don't know what the case is, but he wasn't willing to do it on the scale. It, And again, maybe this is just me being jaded and 
looking up to this guy that I always liked and I want to believe that he was clean, right? Um, but it, it, it kind of – all the signs point to that he wasn't willing to do it and other guys were, and that was sort of his demise. All right, so let me ask I, you. Go ahead, Josh. No, no, I would say I completely agree. That's what I've heard too. Let me, all right, so let me ask you guys this. You know, we kind of joked earlier that Michigan State kind of rushed to clear their uh, suspected uh, player of any wrongdoing. And um, are, are there, you know, and that's happening at other schools as well. Are there any players that could end up, or coaches for that matter, could end up getting suspended here that are going to shake up the landscape of the NCAA tournament this year? I think there's way too much money on the line to do that. Like, people like, I know Miles Bridgers is supposedly now clear, but if anything comes out of this, I don't think it'll happen until mid-April when this NCAA, when the NCAA tournament's over, because the NCAA, say if DeAndre Ayton or one of those guys, if they're suspended, Arizona fans aren't going to want to watch, You know, well, they'll still probably watch it, but not as many fans will, so it'll take the money out of the pockets of NCAA or uh, the NCAA. So why would they do that? I don't, yeah, I don't know that they look at it from that perspective. Cause I don't know that too many people that are getting the people that are watching March Madness, they fall into two buckets, right? They fall into the, the passionate guys that love college basketball. Those guys are going to watch it either way. Then there's the group who are, you know, the more casual fans who don't watch a ton of college basketball. They don't know those guys anyway either, so they're going to watch it either way. I don't know that. That's true. I don't know that college basketball is like the NBA where you need the superstars to bring people to the game. Coaches are are a different matter altogether. And I think most of the things um, that we hear in terms of in terms of coaches, it's going to be one of those things where I don't expect them to do anything before the tournament. I don't expect them to even try, honestly, even if something blatant came out, I think they'd probably sort of be like, oh, we'll, we'll investigate it. And they'd put it on the back burner and wait till the tournament's over. Um, I will say this. I don't know that there's enough champagne in the world. I would buy everybody a drink if somehow this ended up coming back and biting Coach K in the ass. Because <laughs> there's no one, there's no one in sports whose downfall I would enjoy more. Oh man! See, I'm a Duke fan. Disgusting. You should be disgusted. <laughs> with no, there is honestly like always. He always like the way that he always plays the moral like high ground and routinely refuses to like punish his players and. I just think he's a piece of shit. I hate Coach K. I, I've, I've hated him for the longest time, but even the last like couple of years, the way that he like blindly just like is in a blind apologist for his players and holds doesn't hold them accountable for anything embarrasses me. And the way that he's like held up as this beacon of greatness, uh, I, he's the worst. I just hate man, him. I said, I, man, hate's a strong word too. Are you a North Carolina fan or do you just hate him? No, I don't care about North Carolina at all. Oh, wow, I don't. I just but, don't like Coach K. That's a you're like the first ever person that I've heard that hates Duke and Coach K, and like isn't even a fan of North Carolina. That's, I have zero, that's yeah, I don't. I don't really care for Roy Williams that much either. Um, I don't. I don't hate him. I don't. I don't have a strong feeling about him one way or another. I just think Coach K is this guy who's been been built up to be, you know. 
this fantastic leader, but he doesn't hold his players accountable. He's always, you know, sort of letting them get away with shit that guys should not get away with. Um, I think he's the worst, and I hope that this brings him down more than anybody else. Wow. I said it. See, Roy's, said it. Roy's given us one of my favorite gifts that routinely makes the rounds on Twitter with uh, where he comes like – uh, strutting into the locker room with a big dumb grin on his face and all the players see him and then they all start jumping up and down and, and high-fiving oh, and dancing fantastic. with each other. That is a fantastic guess. Yeah, I, so I that, that, I, I, Roy's always got to always at least a little bit in my book. I, I got to like him at least for that because that contribution is universal well beyond Tobacco Road. Yeah. Besides the fact <laughs> Even that... Even the Duke fan over here has got to give him his props for that. You so. got to say, yeah, that was worth it. <laughs> That was worth it. <laughs> that that is worth it. So, I've... all right, just with this, with all the scandal and brouhaha and everything going on, if you're the NCAA or you're the selection committee, what the hell do you do with this? Because you've you got a tournament, you got to put that together. Whoever ends up winning this thing, it's going to have it taken away in a year. I mean, and that's the thing, though, is like <laughs> they don't like doing that. I mean, they already it's bad enough they just had to take uh, Louisville's banner down. Yeah, and, see, that's why uh, Ohio, Ohio State's going to win it all, and it's. It'll be perfectly fine. All right, so I'm only half joking when I ask this, but like, if you're looking at like seeding these teams, and you're trying to weigh between uh, two programs that might be up for a Does two that seed, factor in? that's a good question. Three seed. Do you, I mean, maybe I'm going conspiracy theorist on here, but do you give the bump up to the team that you're less worried about having a you know sanction? Six months from now? Yeah, you know what's funny is I heard someone the other day, they're like, yeah, you're going to see all these random teams on the one line, like Wichita State or something. I'm like, uh, Fred Van Vliet was in this report, so you're not going to see Wichita State on there. Um, Yeah, by the way. Some of the programs you've seen on here are just ridiculous. If there is a better value than DeAndre Ayton at $100,000, Fred Van Vliet only getting one grand? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good value. Pretty good for, for all seven years that he played at uh, Wichita State, yes. But no, I mean, say all things being equal, right? Let's say you're they're down to Ohio State for I don't know a two seed and oh, Kansas for a two seed, right? I I don't know who's who. I don't know where they'll be at. I'm just using them as examples. But Kansas was mentioned in this report. I don't think it's a stretch to say that maybe they are going to give a team like Ohio State that wasn't mentioned the benefit on that. Um, all things being equal, just because it's kind of there in their head, um, sort of in the background. Yeah, I don't, that's a tough, yeah, I agree with Travis. I mean, in, theory, so I it should, in theory, it shouldn't matter, because if you're going to let them in the tournament, you should treat them as though, you know, they are what they are. But it, I think expecting human beings to not think about that stuff is just sort of an unreasonable expectation. I wish there was a way for them to just keep Kentucky out of the tournament. That would be perfect. But... Kick out anybody that's mentioned in this report. Anybody mentioned in the report isn't allowed in. Everybody yep. else, can go for it. I'll hey, take that. There's hope for my Ohio Bobcats to get in after the <laughs> Oh, you oh, yeah, it's about to be in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Half our team's injured. Our point guard transferred to Michigan so he could uh, play five minutes a game. But uh, hey. yeah, we're we're clean. So, oh God, he took bless. Andrew. He took Andrew Dakich's spot up north. That's right. That's right. I'm still bitter about all that, but that's a story. Yeah, it's funny. Me. I was 
not to go way back on Andrew Dockich, but I guess like um, Dan, his dad was saying on the radio, like originally he signed the letter of intent with um, Quinnipiac and after he got in there, uh, found out like the major that he originally was going there for, he didn't get like accepted into that program or something which meant he could then get out of his letter of intent and then go to Ohio State. So he was really weird, like really weirdly close to just spending this year in Quinnipiac, New York, which would have been hilarious by itself. And what's also funny is I was at the Ohio State-Michigan game this this, uh, two Sundays ago, whenever it was. Every time Dakich touched the ball, the entire Michigan student section booed. It was like he was a star player that transferred to Ohio State from Michigan. No, like, he played, like, three minutes a game for you guys. Like, you can't hate the dude for going somewhere to get playing time for his fifth year of eligibility. This is more Andrew Dockage time than I ever anticipated us. <laughs> in the, For the entirety of this podcast. I, this is probably more Andrew favorite... Dockage discussion than uh, Dan Dockage has done, and he's got a daily radio show, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he, does. he does. I mean, I love what he brings to Ohio State, but I think my favorite moment is senior night when he said he's like the most unathletic white kid to ever dribble a basketball. Or I forget the exact quote, but he it's made fun wrong. of himself. It's not wrong. But him making fun of himself just like secured my be my fan of or like me being a fan of him because I love the dude now. Just because he admitted that he like sucks at basketball, but somehow he's good. Yeah, I'll take him. Well, it's all but worked yeah, out for to, him. Back to what back to what we were saying before we got sidetracked on the Andrew Dockage hour here. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it's it's going to be interesting. I my one of my favorite days of the year is the first Thursday of the tournament, right? And it's going to be sort of a cloud hanging over pretty much every game. If one of the teams that's mentioned in there is playing, that's going to be a big topic of conversation in that game, especially those games where, you know, it's a Duke is the two seed against some 15 garbage team. And they're up 30 points in the, in the second half. They need to find something to talk about. That's going to be the thing that a lot of these guys pick to talk about. Um, so I do think it's going to dominate the conversation for the first weekend of the tournament, and that's kind of a shame in and of itself. But a lot of a lot of sad, somber discussions, and uh, yeah, I, I don't want to hear sad and somber Bill Raftery. That's nobody wins with that. So can you imagine Gus Johnson trying to wax poetic? <laughs> oh God! Oh, trying to talk about how how heartbreaking all this is. Thank he's well, not thank God because I've I've said it time and time again, but biggest crime in the world is that Gus Johnson isn't calling March Madness anymore. Do we get yes. him this weekend at all on the Big Ten? Um, might, I'm not sure. We might. I should know that. I'll, I'll, I'll have to go. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you will on the Big Ten Network because it'll be guys like Robbie Hummel and those dudes. But you, I don't know what the um, – CBS Saturday has Sundays. got the weekend. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Shoot. Big Ten Network's got all the games through Friday and then – the semis and the finals are, uh, hello friends, Jim Nance and, uh, and company. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, not Jim Nance. I just love Gus Johnson. I, I don't know. Damn. Uh, nevertheless. All right, boys. 
I think uh, I think I'm sufficiently prepared for the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Thank you for bringing me up to speed. This was fun. Absolutely, Josh. You've been uh, a machine cranking out the Ohio State stories for waiting for next year. This week, uh, you got anything else in the hopper we should be keeping an eye out for? I kind of feel like I should do a write up just on Andrew Dackage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ode ode to Andrew will be coming out. The man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Dackage. Give him the respect he deserves. (laughs) No, but I don't. I don't have anything coming out yet, so we'll see. Well, I'm sure it won't be long. You'll uh, you'll be you'll be fired away soon enough. But uh, <laughs> rise and fire in the name or in the, the words of Gus Johnson. But thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right, uh, that's gonna do it for us. So uh, if you were checking this out for the first time today, appreciate you listening. We hope you'll stick around. You can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. Uh, you can stream all of our episodes on waitingfornextyear.com and go like our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the nail podcast. Uh, we will be back uh, probably next week. We'll see if we're maybe talk some calves, more college basketball. We'll see what's going on. Uh, should be a good one. Looking forward to it. Uh, so thanks again to Josh Paloha for joining us and uh, for Travis Julie, it's Tom Valentino. This has been the nail in the coffin and we will catch you soon. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.